Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Talking about chicken a la king, mango and garbanzo, tabbouleh, Real potatoes and vegetables with roasted garlic and basil, zucchini, ziti, granola, fruit bar. Look at all this beautiful food. Guys, welcome to Green Eggs and Dan, where I interview amazing people with amazing minds, but all I care about is what is in their fridge. My guest today, an actor, writer, improviser, she's the breakout star in the movie Spirited with Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell. She can also be seen on The Righteous Gemstones, killing it, and I think you should leave and glow. She's one of my favorite people. Please welcome Lily Sullivan. Hi. Thanks for having me, Dan. So happy to be here. Lily and I are a little banged up. Yeah. Because uh, last night was a, was a little book release party. And birthday. And birthday. And we went hard. You and, you and, uh, and Tim stayed. You, you, were the, you were the last one standing. <laughs> no, we weren't the very last because you, you were still there. Yes, and the staff. And the staff was still there. <laughs> the staff was putting the chairs up on the tables, <laughs> uh, begging us to leave. No. Yeah, no, we had a blast. So fun. But I'm excited to get into your fridge. You guys can see Lily's fridge on my Instagram, at StandUpDan. I'm going to start by calling you a liar. <laughs> what, because of the labels? Yeah. I knew that was coming. I say, don't stage this fridge. Just keep it in its natural habitat. But this is the thing. All I did was turn the, the Tupperwares so that you could see the label. That's the only staging I did because I was like, otherwise he's going to think I've just got so much Tupperware and there won't be any substance to the convo. This this fridge is, <laughs> dare I say, it's a perfect fridge. Oh. I wanted to shit on this fridge so much because... Of Tim. Because of Tim when he was on the pod. My husband. Is this the same fridge? <laughs> yeah, same fridge. Wow. I'd like to do a side-by-side comparison. Yeah, I think that's worth it. I had, uh, hold on. Let me – I want to pull that up, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very curious the improvements that have been made on this. It, I'm wondering when you recorded with Tim. Like, how long ago was that? It was pre-pandemic. I know that. Because that's really what happened on my journey as a at-home chef. Life really changed over the pandemic. Oh. So you're looking at a gorgeous transformation in our lives. Thanks to me. It is wild how good this fridge is. <laughs> I did not expect you to say that at all. No, well, it's very, I mean, let's just start with the cleanliness. It's very, very clean. Mm. Everything is is wonderfully organized. And um, it just feels like <laughs> a well-lived-in fridge, though, at the same time. It doesn't feel like it's, uh, you know, you were, like, nervous to be on the podcast, so you went and bought a bunch of stuff. The only thing is the pizza and the tofu those are not commonly in there, I would say. You know, here's the thing. I'm not going to ding you for that because the pizza box on the second row, which just seems to be a little bit of a, a leaning <laughs> tower of pizza, <laughs> I like it. It brings like it brings a sense of uh, of lived inness, of humility. I think, like, I think it makes me a real person because yeah. I think without the pizza, you'd be like, "Wow, she is goop. Like, she is Gwyneth. Like, wow." <laughs> But the pizza <laughs> makes you be like, no, she's real. 
<laughs> oh my god. But also, you're to thank for the pizza box being in there because that is a result of last night. Oh, that's a drunken that's a drunken purchase. It's a drunken pizza. Oh, fun. So the thing that my eyes just goes to and gets hypnotized by is on the top <laughs> row. On the yeah. top row, you have a plastic uh, container of arugula. Yes. And on top of that is a is a is a sliced loaf of bread. And there's something very artsy about it. I don't know why. You know what I was looking at is the lemon perched on the raspberries and the blueberries. Like, I want to paint it. <laughs> yes. Like, stunning. It is stunning. So, yes, there's like a Driscoll raspberry and then the blueberries on top of it. And then a lemon, half a lemon. Partially squeezed. Partially squeezed. Partially squeezed. It looks like a, like a gramophone just staring at us. <laughs> It really does. Again, I hate to say it, but like it always looks like this. I mean, <laughs> you also have the – I don't know what I think about this, but I'm sure you can convince me that it's fine. There is yeah. the half an avocado that is just raw dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not in plastic. Yeah. Raw dogging it for sure, yeah. Do you take a layer of that off when you're going to use yeah. it? Okay. I do. Because I don't believe would like covering it really do that much of a difference. Like you probably have to cut off a little bit no matter what. I think so. You're just kind of sacrificing. You know, there's that layer, that top layer gets sacrificed. I know. And that pit, but that like the pit can get as dirty as we want. It's coming out anyway. So, yeah. But also I I have avocado almost every day. Tim, Tim also, he's obsessed. Really? It gets used. Wow. You guys have made it. You're like avocado LA people. Yeah, I know. And I never really, like to be honest, I know people are going to come for me on here, but I was never really into avocado until uh, recently. Yeah. Until your IMDb score hits a certain, <laughs> your star meter hits a certain Until level. you can afford the ones at Gelson's. Five dollars an avocado. <laughs> I have such a bone to pick with Gelson's because name-wise, you think like, oh, it's going to be like uh, the old Jewish grocery where you go to Gelson's <laughs> and you get some, you know, everything's on right. sale. No, opposite. It's a it's a wolf in sheep's clothing is what it is. It is. It's Albertsons, but the prices are higher. And I'm like, this isn't all it's cracked out to be. Like, it's just really not what they want it to be. And it's not like fancy. Like, you don't get like... Fancy no. cred. Like, at least if no. you say, oh, I shop at Whole Foods, I shop at Air One, people are like, oh, right. you're a little asshole, huh? Mm-hmm. But you don't get any of that with Gelson's. No. It just, I feel like it's like, oh, you're just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it either. And every time I go, I get mad. And one time I did go there and avocados were like $6 an avocado. And it's like California avocados. So I was like, I fucking live in California. What? <laughs> Why is everything from California? So much more expensive when we live in California. Shouldn't it be cheaper for us? Yeah. Are they $30 in New York because of the travel? No. It's more expensive here. You know why? California eaters are very <laughs> – we have a lot of guilt in our eating yeah. in California. You go to these restaurants now and like you get the bill and then there's like uh, 3% for the service charge, 5% for the health care of the valet parkers, 12 more percent for <laughs> – Which like give the workers all the, that they want but also like the, the surcharge is bullshit. Because I worked at a restaurant where they did that where they like started adding the like 3% at the end and people would get so upset and I was like you can talk to management about it like i don't agree with it either they're like why wouldn't you just raise your prices and yeah. i'm like well you can talk to them 
Bake I didn't make the decision. <laughs> bake it into the price. I mean, it's almost worse because you're just like, all right, well. You didn't consent to that, you right. know? And it's like, hey, guys in the back, your healthcare is all dependent on other people's charity, if they're going to do it or not. It's their choice. Yes. It's not us just giving it to you as employers, which we should. I know. I'm like, I didn't sign up to do this. You're the one who owns the restaurant. Pay your workers. Like, what? Yeah. Why am I doing it? Yeah, fuckers. Goddamn assholes. <laughs> Are we allowed to swear on here? I've already sworn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, I'm sure it's really hard to run a restaurant. Uh, we have no, I have no idea. Yeah, no, is, no, so. no, 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 no. But it's harder for the wait staff and the cooks and everybody else. I do think restaurants are taking advantage of this supply chain shit. It's like they just keep saying supply chain and tripling the price of everything. It's like, <laughs> aren't we back to <laughs> non-supply no. chain? I don't know. What do I know? Okay, second <laughs> row. Now that we got canceled by the restaurant industry. Yeah, I know. We're, they're coming for us. But I worked in them, so I, I can vouch. That's right. <laughs> you worked in – what was the name of that restaurant? Uh, I don't know if you want to call them out. After oh, work. yeah. Didn't you come? I did come. Yes, I little, came once. Little Sister downtown. Little Sister, which is like a it was like a hipster Chinese food place. Hipster Vietnamese uh, with, you know – some other Asian influence. Yeah, it was pretty good. I remember. I liked the food. Yeah, it is good. Still there? It's still there. Yeah. I went recently. Really? Did yeah, it... it was better when I worked there. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is great because I have a lot of questions about, about service and you were on that side. Oh, yeah. Okay, so you've got your bottle of Lille. Yes, that's a Tim thing. What, what happens with the Lille? <laughs> what does he make with it? He typically, he drinks it on ice. He's half French, by the way, so I don't know if that's what they do, but that's what he does. <laughs> you know, for someone who's half French, he carries himself like he's like 3X French. Oh, you know what I was going to tell you? What? Well, I think you're in trouble because I listened to the episode with Patty Guggenheim before coming on here today. Oh, no. Because, you know, we were hanging out with Patty last night, and then at some point, you say to her that people from the Midwest aren't foodies, which mm -hmm. I'm coming for you. Fine. Yes, yeah. we are. <laughs> then you say... Tim's from Indiana. No. Oh, Illinois. Illinois. Oh, man. Which for him, that's a major thing. Okay. And then number three, you say that he mentions it in his improvs. With a plural, you say improvs. Yeah, that's as a, as a funny as a funny. <laughs> I thought it was genuine and I was like, uh-oh, Dan. He's calling it improvs? He does it in his skit. <laughs> First of all, okay, I will take each one of those down one by one. But I will say I did just perform at like some like fancy gala and I did like half an hour of stand up up front. And then afterwards, this woman, like this very wealthy woman was like, I enjoyed your speech. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your beautiful speech. Your wonderful speech. Okay, number one. Yes, people in the Midwest are not foodies. They are food consumers, which doesn't make you a foodie. <laughs> if you eat food. All right. If you have your, your weird, uh, what's that pizza that they have in St. Louis? Do they put, pour chili on pizza? <laughs> no, that, that's a Cincinnati. In Cincinnati, they probably do that. They pour chili on pasta. Uh, Emo's Pizza, that's the pizza that they have okay. in the Midwest that has something on it, a made-up ingredient called Provel, which is like a cheese that they've engineered to like never fully melt. I don't know what. What? I want it melted. Why would I not want it melted? I don't know. It's Provel, yo. It's Provel. It's Provel. And then in terms of Illinois, Indiana, no one knows the fucking difference. No one cares. <laughs> Wait, where are you from originally again? <laughs> New York. <laughs> yeah, see, it's like someone being like, he's from New Jersey. You would lose your mind. It's like I'm, I'm, my ethnicity is Iranian, and people are like, oh, wait, what are you? Are you Iraqi? Am I going to fucking go nuts? No. 
It's fine. And it's I know, one I letter know. off. And Indiana and Illinois is the same word except for an L, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. But you know I had to. He's my husband. I had to protect him. I understand. That's, <laughs> that's very protective of you. But yeah, he also loves to do French cosplay. So... You know. Well, don't we all? You've got a, is this like a Tupperware of bulgur <laughs> wheat? What is that? It's it's farro. Oh, fa- it's farro. Farro, farro. Is it a tomato, tomato? I say farro, but I don't know. Farro? I want to say Gwyneth says. All right. If Gwyneth says that, that's definitely what it is. I'm a big fan of farro. I'm actually very impressed with that. Farro is a very ancient grain that uh, yeah. the Roman legions actually was their main form of sustenance when they were... Uh, Raping and pillaging Europe. Oh, God. So, you know it'll keep you going. <laughs> no, I feel that way. I feel energized. <laughs> yeah, we. it's a nice thing for, like, you know, lunch. Because lunch is hard. So, having some pharaoh to, like, try and be healthier. Yeah. And, like, add some, like, zhuzh it up. How do you zhuzh normally? Like, I might do some greens and, like, an egg or something. Green eggs and Dan. That was a sleeper green eggs and Dan. <laughs> Shout out. I came up with that before the podcast. I've been thinking about <laughs> dropping it at a certain point. I think I nailed it. Perfect. Or like if we have like leftover chicken or something, I'll do chicken and vegetables and that kind of thing. And you have a huge, okay, first of all, <laughs> you have uh, these labeled, there's two things in the whole fridge that are labeled. <laughs> and one is parsley and one is cilantro. Well, you know you can get them mixed up. That's true. Actually, yeah, I guess it makes sense now that I think about it. I wish they were not so big and I wish it was better. But it does store the herbs the best way I, I have found. Because yeah. I won't eat the herbs if they're not clean, I realized. Like I, if I have to take the time to clean them before I use them, I won't use them. Oh, so you get them all, clean them, and then pack them. Yeah, and then they do keep for, like, a very long time. Well, yeah, you put the damp paper towel. That'll uh, that'll help keep them. Yeah, exactly. What are you doing so, with all the cilantro? Are you making so many tacos? I do make, like, a chimichurri sauce a lot. Oh, so really? I use that. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's, I think, one of the best go-to sauces for everything. And so... I think so, too. So easy to make and a wonderful use of cilantro, which... Uh, green egg on my face. Um, you you were right. You I, thought of that one before the podcast too, right? I did. Well, we coordinated both of those before the podcast. <laughs> You've got the hottest new mayo in town, which is QP mayo. Everyone's talking I love. about the QP. It's spreading like wildfire. Well, I also think the appeal is, I mean, the flavor is amazing. and yeah. But the squishy tub that it comes in mm. is really fun. Like, I would play with that. I would like to just, like, squeeze it and hang out with it. It's very sensory. It is fun, and it's almost like a cartoon character. It is. It's tall and <laughs> Skinny and blobby a little, and it's got that red top and fun font. It's really fun. And it's got MSG, which is why it tastes so good. It does? I didn't know. Yeah, that'll do it. I don't mind. Yeah. I'll take it. And then you got that. Is this the baby blues? Or is what is this <laughs> This here? Is this a dressing? <laughs> no, that's, what's it called? Uh, like hot sauce. sauce. No, like buffalo sauce. Oh, okay. Because I, I did like a buffalo cauliflower. Like months ago at this point. Wow. And haven't touched it since. So you are quite the chef I'm, I'm learning here. Yeah, I really, I love to cook. It's like, you know, I always think about, I'm like, what are my hobbies? And I don't really have any. Right. Like I have comedy and writing and, and whatever. But then I'm like, I don't have any skills or anything that I care about outside of that. And then I realized, I'm like, no, I like cooking. That's my thing. It's such a skill and no one has it anymore. It's like a lost art. Yeah. Like, and I feel like when people tell them, like, yeah, I cook, you're like, I don't know. It's like they, they think that you're like fucking old fashioned because you know how to make pasta <laughs> from the 1950s, huh? You have a 1950s housewife. You're making fucking food. Well, there's a real like American pride to not cooking, I think. Yes. Like, 
people really like stand by how cool it is that they kind of like have no skills. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I'm from a family where everybody cooks, so it's kind of normal enough to me. Last thing before we get out of your fridge, this is, is this a regular mayo next to the QP mayo? I know. Well, that's just there because we haven't gotten rid of it yet. So the family is making a transition from regular mayo to QP. The family, yes. The two of us. This was a a family decision. The family is moving on. We've transitioned into better mayo. And we are not ready to quite say goodbye just yet. Right. But I think it will go in the trash soon. Yeah. Well, you know, you can use that. Actually, I'm going to give you a fun thing you can do here with your fridge. So over here on the top row, you've got a little museum of cornichons, it looks like. Yeah. You can chop those. Up and put them in this the other mayo with a little bit of vinegar, and you've got a fresh made tartar sauce. Oh wow! Yeah, but what would I use a tartar on? Nothing. Just throw it out. Make that. <laughs> let it go bad in your fridge. Yeah, perfect. That sounds awesome. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> you got it. Oh, you know what I was thinking? Have you ever heard of when they cook like a chicken and you cover it in mayo? Yes. That is actually, Maybe I do that. That's a great move to keep moisture in. And also, when you cook a chicken, you just need to add a little bit of fat to it. Um, yeah. And that is good fat that will stay on it. I think Thomas Keller makes his chickens like that. Whoa. Or no, he makes his turkeys like that, his Thanksgiving turkeys. Damn. That is a fond farewell to that mayo. That's her going out with a bang, you know? Yes, it is. <laughs> okay, as someone who has worked in the service industry, it weirds me out how scared people are to return a dish that was improperly prepared. Yeah. Like, there's yeah. one thing about returning a dish that was cooked perfectly and you just don't like it. Yes. Which even there, I have a life hack that I will get to in yeah. a second. But I feel like people are so scared of servers and they feel like, there's this thing that they're going to spit in my food, which I don't I, – I have. A, has anyone ever spat in food in the time you've worked in a restaurant? No, I've never ever seen anything like that. I've seen plenty of other horrifying things, but not that. <laughs> oh, really? Tell me. Give me give me some stuff. First of all, I'll address what I think was the question. Yes. I think as a server – and this – obviously, this varies like depending on where you go and who the manager is. But typically, if you're going to a nice restaurant, they just want to make your experience good and – happy and they want you to leave happy. So if you don't like something, just tell them they'll even if you just don't like it, we'll happily like make you something else just so you don't like throw a fit. Do you think that's okay if you get a dish that's perfectly cooked and you just don't like the 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 flavor for some reason? I, I I've had people say to me like I really I'm sorry I I really don't like this and then I'm like no problem and I get rid of it and I take it to the back and somebody else in the back eats it. Right. And they're happy. Right. And then we get you whatever you would actually like. And then you probably will tip properly. I, I think the worst thing is I've had people not like something, not say anything, and then tip really low. And I'm like, that's just. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's the most passive aggressive. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, you could have just said, or they'd write on the check, like, I didn't like this, or like, this was bad and this was bad. And it's like, tell me, what is wrong with you? Communicate. <laughs> Okay, so here's another question. You say that the dish will be eaten by someone in the back. What is the most eaten dish that you would still eat? Like, would it be half done and you'd still get in there? Okay, so like how far into it has someone eaten? (laughs) Yeah. This is a good question. (laughs) Well, first of all, I've been working in restaurants since I was in high school. And when I was in high school, I would have eaten – I mean, I have eaten things off of plates that were like nearly done. But as I grew older... Did you grow up poor? I did grow up poor. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't know that. Way to bummer the podcast, Lily. (laughs) 
Well, it was kind of a weird thing where I had a rich grandfather, but my mom and my dad were poor. And then my grandfather eventually like wrote everybody out of his will. (laughs) So we're like not – so I don't have any generational wealth, unfortunately. Was he like an oil baron who was smited? (laughs) That was exactly it. The guy from Yellowstone? (laughs) (laughs) No, he he was a writer. The story is though that like I had a lot of like – fancy experiences through him and through like him like you know treating my mom but like largely we were poor and I was eating stuff off of dirty plates in the back (laughs) so I'm just guessing here your grandfather was like F. Scott Fitzgerald and uh, you know F would take you out to fancy restaurants when you were a kid that's exactly what it was which not quite sure the dates lined up because I think he died in the 50s (laughs) I look really young you never know And then later in life, give me the uh, the number later in oh, life. Oh, yeah. So then now later in life, now that I – I worked at a restaurant up until the pandemic. So later in life, we did family style at the re- restaurant I worked at yeah. last. So it was much easier to just eat off of any plate because most of the time people were using shared spoons. Ah. So I think I probably ate stuff off of mostly eaten plates as well. So actually not much has changed. <laughs> Yeah. I have a picture actually of a friend of mine and I, and we're in the back room, like the storage room, which was like disgusting, like filthy. And we're on the ground eating chicken wings. And I was like, this is it. This is a good representation of what it's like. So what I'm hearing is that your level of poverty has nothing to do. You're just a disgusting human being. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you got it. Well, food is food. Hi, welcome to Lily Sullivan's new food network show, Food is Food, where I eat return food. I see how far I will go. <laughs> What about drinks? What about someone orders a really nice bottle of wine? Okay, bottle of wine, no. Bottle of wine, no. Why? Unless it's like gone bad, you picked the bottle. Oh, oh, you're saying to return. No, no, no. To return. I'm talking about an episode on Lily Sullivan food is food. Oh, alcohol? I would drink it all. (laughs) Here's the question. I'm seated at dinner. The table next to me gets up to leave. There's a half a bottle of wine mm. left on their table. Very yeah. good wine. Can I grab that bottle and bring it to my table? This is a really good question. I think etiquette-wise, you ask the server if they're going to take it. And then if they say no, then you're like, do you mind if we have it? And they'll be like, yeah, go ahead. Interesting. Uh, but that being said, if there's no server in sight, like I would take it. I would grab it and I would drink it. Would you hide it and take it home or you drink it with your meal? I'd probably drink it with the meal. Because the likelihood that you have the cork, too, is low. But then the server's going to come over and be like, oh, what? (laughs) How? (laughs) This gets into shame. How much shame do you have? Not a lot. So, yeah, then you do you. That sounds great. (laughs) I have been bringing wine a lot to restaurants for two reasons. Number Mm. one, I feel like I have a lot better wines than I I used to have. Yeah. And two, I think the – the wine markup in restaurants has reached such astronomical lengths. It's like 4x the price. Yeah, where I'm, to- I'm totally down to, to pay the corkage fee and, and tip nicely on it and get a great bottle of wine. Because I don't want to spend 200 bucks on a bottle of wine at a restaurant that costs 50 bucks. Only times that I've ever not liked the corkage thing is when people bring really old bottles of wine. Because then it's really stressful opening it and like decanting it. And, like, the cork is, like, falling apart, 
Like that kind of thing I have a hard time because I'm just stressed. I'm like, oh, God, they're going to be mad that like the cork didn't survive and like, you know, that that kind of pressure. That's a very high stress situation for a server. I never even thought about that. Yeah. Has that happened to you where they're like, this is a 1924. This was Thomas Jefferson's collection. <laughs> More than one time somebody bring in like a really old, nice bottle and then the cork like disintegrates and then I have to like use a coffee filter to like get all the cork out of the bottle. And I think I remember some guy being a dick about it. And I was just like, you know what? <laughs> Drink this shit at home. Bring yeah. the bring the newer wine to for if you're gonna have a stranger open it. This is fast, fast casual. You're at a hip Vietnamese restaurant downtown. You're yeah, not- like, what are you doing bringing like a fancy French wine from like a hundred years ago? Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, have a cold beer, man. Lily had a few jars of cornichons in her fridge, which got me thinking, what the fuck is a cornichon? Is it just a tiny pickled cucumber? Kind of. Cornichons come from their own breed of cucumber that doesn't taste good when fully grown. It was first harvested in India, but was introduced to the West thanks to Louis XIV, who grew them in the garden at the palace at Versailles. The Brits got a hold of them and called them gherkins. All that aside, they are a delicious little flavor bomb that everyone should have in their fridge because they prove the old adage, size does not matter. Yeah! All right, I'm going to get to the questions that I ask everyone on the episode, uh, starting with, what is your earliest food memory? I'm from an Albanian family. Way to bury the lead. I know. Could you tell with the last name Sullivan? You guys are, they really did a number uh, at, uh, at Ellis Island on you. Our name is Sluvlushvin. Okay. Sullivan it is. So my great grandmother was like from Albania. And I, when I was younger, she would make uh, like cheese pies and like spinach cheese pies kind of like spani copita but la croix yeah. as they call it like la croix but la croix yeah it sounds like some, someone with a speech impediment saying la croix <laughs> yeah okay. well that too and then um she would make that and then she would make these like cookies these like twisty i don't even know like kind of like simple vanilla flavored cookies that were really good that's wow. i remember that pretty well and then I remember my dad would cook really elaborate meals for us as kids, and then we wouldn't eat them, and then he would, like, get upset that, like, we didn't like his food. Wait, was it bad, or you were just trying to spite him? No, it was just, like, adult flavors, and right. my, you know, we were kids, so my mom was like, yeah, they don't like it. He's like, and he was, why don't you like this squab? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, like, and then, um, and now I realize, like, me and my brothers and my dad, we all have the same thing in the kitchen. We're all very controlling Nobody can yeah. help. And then you're stressed the whole time and then you serve it and then you're like, you're like, oh, God, I hope everybody likes it. It's not my best. And then you just wait there for people to compliment you. That's so funny. I do that too. Where I just like, I'll know I hit the mark. I'll know that I <laughs> did an awesome job. And I was like, yeah, I just didn't have time. It wasn't. Are you kidding? This <laughs> yeah, is exactly. amazing. Oh, really? You have to be like coy and kind of bashful about it. Yeah. 
And then they'll come for you. The compliments will come. So you're Albanian. Let me ask yeah. you, the movie Taken, how far did that set back the Albanian people? So much, so much. <laughs> Literally, the things that people know about Albania are that the Belushi family is oh. Albanian, famously. There you go. And then um, the Albanians, I think at one point their economy was like a straight up pyramid scheme. And then they all really loved George Bush. <laughs> Those are the things I mainly know. <laughs> Another fun fact about Albanians is they have like a mafia on all of the pizza slice shops in New York City. What? No Italians own any pizza restaurants in New York. It's all Albanian. This is so interesting because so I studied abroad in Italy in high school and in college. Not to brag, but I will. But the the second time that I was there, actually both times, when you go to like a, a discotheque, the guys that would hit on the American women who you would think were Italians were actually Albanians. So like all these Albanian guys were like posing as Italian guys trying to, to get after like uh, American women. Wow. I didn't fall for it. I knew. I like that Albanians in every, from top to bottom, will try to imitate Italians. I like it too. I think that's cool. Because also that's kind of what I do too. So it's... it's. (laughs) How many of our Renaissance masterpieces are actually painted by Albanians posing as Italian masters? Leonardo da Vinci. (laughs) More like Leonardo da Sullivan. (laughs) All right. What is your death row meal? Let's think of a reason you're on death row. Some guy brings in... A bottle of 1885 Chateau Margaux. Oh, no. I'm so stressed. I'm having a panic attack. You have it in your hands. And he's like, don't fuck it up again. I was here last time and you had to pour my wine through coffee filters. And you just can't take it and you bat him over the head (laughs) with the bottle. And you're like, how's your coffee filter now? And all the wine pours down his cracked cranium. And now you're on death row. Beautiful. First of all, he deserved it. Second of all... I had a very hard time when I was like, oh, these are the questions that get asked. I don't like superlative questions at all. I like struggle. But I think it would be some kind of really fancy, incredible pasta. Ah, okay. Like I like like um, a beautiful ombrotto sauce, ombrotto like broth, like tortellini or something like that or ravioli. Or I would do like a – maybe I do like a pasta flight of like just incredible pastas. That's a cool one. I like a pasta flight. Yeah. Um, so you'd have a tortellini and brodo, which is a very typical Bologna. Yeah. Uh, I like northern dish. Italy food. That's the that's my jam. Got it. Okay. Or like a ragu would be really good. Yeah. A nice ragu. Yeah. yeah that's all. You, you like the, the northern Italian flavors. But I could do it like a very simple tomato also, like a really good, well done tomato pasta yeah. would be delicious. What's your go-to pasta place in LA? I like Union in Pasadena. Does Pasadena count? <laughs> oh, I've been wanting to go there. That place is supposed to be killer. It's really good. I think that they have an amazing, just like pretty simple tomato one that's like fantastic. Mm. I made a, my parents were in town uh, and I made them a pasta the other night and my, uh, they were like, this is it was simple tomato. Yeah. But my secret ingredient is I crushed like four anchovies in there. I was going to say, you got to get an anchovy in there. Oh people, my God. people get scared when you say that because they think it's going to be very fishy. And I used to be, but actually it's just salty. It's just like an umami. It's delicious. It's the best. So Ooh, good. What is the best high-end meal that you've ever had? It's also just so hard. Thank God I've been to a lot of nice, fancy restaurants, so I can't. I don't even remember where I go. Look, pick a lane. Are you poor or are you rich? <laughs> You're like, I've got so many tasting menus. They all blur into one. If you know servers, 
people in the food industry blow their cash on nice yeah. restaurants. So they yeah. don't have anything saved. It's it's a cyclical <laughs> thing where they're stuck in the restaurant industry because they buy fancy meals. It's a Ponzi scheme. It's a much much like the Albanian economy. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> well, actually, I'm going to say this place in Charleston that because my husband works on a show that films in Charleston and they have an amazing food scene. So there's this restaurant called Chubby Fish, and it's like some of the best seafood I think I've ever had in my life. It was amazing. Wow. That's what he told me. He and I went to dinner recently, and he was telling me that that was his new favorite place. It's really amazing. And the name of that restaurant is very fun. So good. And also, so my favorite thing that they have on the menu, which is kind of insane, but it's a tiny caviar sandwich on like a little small butter bun. And I mean, I don't even know how much it costs. It's like $20 for like the tiniest little caviar sandwich. And it's life-changing. It's so good. I could have a hundred of them. OMG. Yeah. I definitely want to make it the chubby fish the way that uh, you both describe it. Well, now it's really hyped up. I didn't realize he told you that. So I I know you have hard opinions. Get ready for the green eggs and damn bun. (laughs) Chubby fish, he's coming for you. What's the best low-end meal you've ever had? So this could be a street taco or whatever, you know. Again, getting back to am I poor, am I rich? Yeah. My dad had family friends in Greece. So we went to Greece when I was little. When I was like 12, I think, and 14, we went again. And we would have um, souflaki that was like absolutely life-changing. Like street souflaki in a pita with fries, with tzatziki, tomato, red onion, so good. Ooh, I love a good souvlaki. And yes, the Greek street food is so killer. I don't think anyone's ever mentioned that on the pod yet. So that's a very good one. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. I'm really blowing people away today, huh? <laughs> yes. We grew up poor. But when we took our first class trip to Athens <laughs> and we went to Santorini and Naxos and Paros, I remember. But, like, kind of similarly, my parents, <laughs> they didn't spend money on like, nice house, nice clothes, nice – but travel they would spend money on. Oh, interesting. Okay. I see a theme here. What? How worldly I am? No, how you guys <laughs> don't invest your money wisely. <laughs> I know. Can you tell me what to do? Like, I honestly don't know what to do. Just put it in the S&P 500. <laughs> I don't even know what it is. I don't even know what it is. We got a little hint of this uh, earlier from the box of pizza in your fridge, but what is your favorite drunk food? Yeah, it's pizza. But to be honest, it wouldn't be – like last night, we we postmated pizza from some random place that just happened to be open. Mm. I think I would root for like a a crappy like a Domino's hot like it should be hot or Papa yeah. John's like I that is what I want when I'm drunk like I want to be dipping the slice of nasty good pizza in garlic butter that they have in those little tubs. I'm with you. I think I've lately had a hankering for cheap fast food pizza because there's something about the dough. I feel like I've been having so much like upscale pizza that's like, oh, our dough was fermented for yeah, no. six hours. It's like, no, I want something that it, it feels like Wonder Bread is the yes. dough. Yes, <laughs> exactly. It's thick and squishy. I know. I know there's chemicals making it that way and I, I don't care. I want it I that way. Care. No. Okay, so now you're hungover. What is uh what did we have this morning? What's your favorite hangover food? I think it's a fried chicken sandwich. Like, mm. but a simple one like um I don't want to I don't even want to say it cuz they're a bad company, but oh, Chick-fil-A vibes. <laughs> not not from Chick-fil-A, but Chick-fil-A style 
<laughs> really simple, you know, like essentially a plain chicken sandwich with some pickles on like a butter bun type thing. Right. Yeah. And a Coke. Yeah. Definitely Coca-Cola. Ideally Mexican Coke. Mm-hmm. That that's a hangover cure for me. We are not singling out a specific chicken sandwich. No, but it needs to have that special sauce. That is je ne sais quoi. <laughs> you know, I have a buddy who you met last night, my friend Dia, the guy with the big curly hair. Oh yeah, he hates Chick Fil A as a company, but not for what you would think. He hates it because <laughs> they close on Sundays. What? He's like, I'm like, so not that, that they hate gay people. No, I'm like, that's not. <laughs> That, I don't think you're hating them for the right reason. He's like, no, they're bringing their religious agenda. I'm like, yeah, but yeah. it gives people a day off. Like, it works out well. Like, you know the other stuff, right? He's like, yeah, yeah, no, that's not cool. But this part. Yeah, it's not what you should be leading with. Also, the religious agenda, like, I'm like, okay, yes, yes, because they hate gay people. No, because they give workers a day off. <laughs> okay, sure. Okay. Who is your favorite celebrity food personality? I think I'm going to go Padma. Oh, good one. Even though I love, like, I loved watching Anthony Bourdain, and I've definitely watched some Flavored Town, mm. and I like Guy's hair. Yeah. And vibe. Overall yeah. style points, Guy. <laughs> yeah. But I think Padma's just, like, she's stunning, she's so smart, and she doesn't take any shit, and she's a really good cook. I think she's all around, like, top-notch. The fact that it's Padma Lakshmi and Guy Fieri, and <laughs> Guy is the one getting the style points. Well, I mean, they're totally different vibes. <laughs> they are. Uh, she's, but I'm with you. She Padma. can put on, like, a napkin, and everyone would be like, dear God, the hottest woman. It's like, she doesn't need to be wearing any cool clothes. Guy does. He really needs to work hard for those points. And he does. He does. He, does. he really does work hard. Um... I do. I'm with you on Padma. There's something very, like, just put together and also intimidating about her. Yeah, I know. She's. She, I think she's scary in like a way that I want to be, but I never will be. Like I, right. I ideal world, everyone behaves like pins and needles around me, <laughs> wants my approval, <laughs> and instead I'm just like I'm too much of a people pleaser. Like last night at the party, like people were done with their drinks, and I was like, don't worry, Lily will take it. Yeah, I was like doing dishes. (laughs) You were busting tables. I was grabbing hors d'oeuvre plates. I was working. Still waiting on my Venmo. I sent your request. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a Zelle guy. Yes, the Padma thing is funny because I've had her on the podcast, and like by the end, she was like, 100% when you're in New York, let me know, and we'll get Persian food together. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Am I friends with Padma? And then she just never responded to anything. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> and I respected it. I respected it. I sent her like 20 messages to try to get her to, no! to do like a blurb on my book. And I saw on Instagram, seen. Like I saw that she saw it and she just didn't. Respond. But you have to remember with really famous people like that, they get like 40 messages like that a day, I think, from people that they like have connections to. Yeah. So yeah. you were just a number that day. You mean really famous people like us, not like them. Yeah, no. I'm talking about my inbox. I'm getting flooded. So many emails about uh, weight loss drugs. Can you please do a blurb for my book? Love, Gwyneth. Gwyneth, no. You're on trial. Focus on the important things, Gwyneth. Focus on the... Drink your bone broth and shut up. (laughs) Can I use that as the blurb? Lily says drink your bone broth and shut up. No. 
It's the title of my next book. Desert Island Food. Trapped on a desert island. One food you're never going to get tired of. I honestly think it's chicken sandwiches. I've thought really hard about it, and I just never get sick of them. For someone who hates Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I hate Chick-fil-A. You brought them up twice now. I didn't say Chick-fil-A this time. I just we said, know. in we an know. ideal world, it's in a gorgeous chicken sandwich that's cooked very similarly but probably better ingredients, of course. And, and non-homophobic. Non-homophobic, prepared, not on a Sunday, just kidding, <laughs> on a Sunday, with, by someone who's paid great, who owns the business, who loves their work. It's ethical. It's a really ethical, gorgeous chicken sandwich. But honestly, gun to your head, do you like the... Because here's the thing. My whole thing is I love fish fillet sandwiches from McDonald's. Oh, wow. Love them. And I actually, I am food Stradamus. I make food predictions. And I predicted that the fish fillet sandwich was going to have a hipster renaissance in all these. And I predicted it like seven years ago. And fast forward to today, all these cool little spots are making their version of a fish fillet fish sandwich. Fish fillet sandwich. I... I'm torn on which one I like more, if I like the McDonald's or the fancified one. Can I tell you, maybe this is worth trying. I remember with my, talk about the Midwest, driving Mm. with my dad. I think we were in Wisconsin or something. We went to a Culver's. Mm -hmm. He got the fish sandwich there. He said it's the best fish sandwich he's ever had in his life. What's Culver's? You don't know Culver's? No. Oh, you poor East Coast baby. (laughs) (laughs) Culver's is like... A fast food chain. The vibe, I think, is just a little bit more like local farm kind of. Like there's oh, cheese cheese curds on the menu. Fun. There's like butter burgers. It's good. It's really good. But my dad said that the fish sandwich. And he's a tough critic. Yeah, I do love, I love a humble fish sandwich. And I think I, and I love a humble chicken sandwich as well. I think you need to fly to Wisconsin. Yeah. And you need to try and report back. <laughs> okay, that's <laughs> never happening. <laughs> Is there a food you can't stand eating? I have a really hard time with canned tuna. Oh. Which is really weird. But I think like when something's too fishy, I I, I love fish. I like tons of different fishes, but not anything too fishy. And tuna in a can is, you know, stinks up the whole house. I used to like yeah. get really mad at my brothers about it. I yeah, it like changes the vibe of my day if I if I smell it. Wow. <laughs> and I do want to like I know it's healthy for me. I want to like it. I want to be a tuna girl, but I'm just I'm not. I I have to accept it. It's Lily Sullivan, her new book is I want to be a tuna girl. <laughs> By Crown Publishing. Wait, you know, this is another good question. I had a conversation with some friends of mine about this. Are you a butter in the fridge or a butter on the counter girl? I'm a butter in the fridge girl, but I don't know why I I should be a butter on the counter person. I know. That's how I feel. I'm not against it. I'm not against it. I want, I strive to be a butter on the counter girl, but I just was not raised that way. It's very foreign to me. It kind of scares me, even though I know there's nothing wrong with it. But I think it's like a very cultural thing. Like if you weren't raised with the butter on the counter, it's not going on the counter. It's staying in the fridge. Here's the issue. I'm I'm not eating a ton of butter. So I'd be having that butter 
once every once a week and then by the last pat of butter that thing has been there for three months and like is that okay like that's the thing i don't know like i have so many questions i had melissa clark on the podcast who she's like a oh, very yeah. fancy new york times uh and she's a she's like a hunt, she's very pro butter on the counter mm. once she said that i was like all right i'm doing things wrong but maybe i should just eat more butter and then have it on the counter i would I eat more butter if i that's had the, the thing and like do i want to be eating more butter probably i like definitely don't need to See, it's a it's an endless cycle of it's an endless know, loop. It's an endless. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that snake that's eating the other snake from the tail. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Favorite question: What are your restaurant pet peeves? And you can say this from the point of view of a server or uh, as a patron. Oh my god! If if you want me to be a server, the list will go on and on and on and on. I love it. I think. <laughs> well, first of all. You can have, like, if you're going to take up my time asking me lots of questions, like the art, like what's the story about the art in the room? Or like, can you tell us about the chef or like blah, 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 blah. And then you don't tip, like, what is wrong with you? (laughs) Like, you just took so much emotional labor from me and physical labor, and then you don't tip? Absolutely not. People have different expectations when they go out. And a lot of people, it's like the experience, like they're paying for your personality. And that is really exhausting to me. (laughs) But at the same time, I understand when I go to a restaurant, I'm like, I want the server to like me. Like I'm a people pleaser. And then as a as a fantastic improviser, do you feel (laughs) like doing bits and yes anding or you just When I'm serving? Yes. No, no. I had no personality. I actually realized like, I had one friend who she was, like, really hot and cold with tables. Like, sometimes she would give them just, like, all of her personality. And then other times if they made her angry, you know, she would, like, be cold to them. Yeah. And I never – I was, like, always in the middle. And only once in a blue moon would someone, like, break me out of my, like, trance. And I would either give them more personality or, like, you know, if someone was really rude to me, I'd be like – Wow, okay. Well, like, yeah. you're, there's clearly something is wrong with you. You're damaged. I'd say one in, we always said one in a hundred people is like a, a crazy person. But I, I mean, I saw some insane stuff at the restaurant I worked at most recently. So, I'm like, sure. but I think the biggest thing is largely everybody's pretty pleasant and easy. If you're unhappy with something, tell me. Like, that is really is the thing. Like, just tell your server that, like, you'd like something differently rather than, like, take it out on them in the bill. Now, Pet Peeves is a patron, though. What Now what do we have? Now that you've been on the other side. I, well, I can tell when things are going wrong. I get, like, secondhand, like, restaurant stress sometimes if I pay too much attention. So, like, oh. if something... I can tell when people are, like, lying to us. And I'll be, like, I, you know, I, like, give everybody the benefit of the doubt way too much probably because I'm just, like, I'm empathizing so deeply with, like, what they're probably going through. And then simultaneously I can tell when someone's, like, absolutely, like, an incapable person at their job and, like, should not be a server. Like, Tim, my husband, should not have ever been a server. The idea that he was on the floor at a restaurant – in Chicago, Uncle Julio's carrying trays around, like, is right. absolutely frightening to me. So <laughs> so there's certain people, like, I think my biggest issue when we go out is, like, feeling, like, completely, like, I know they forgot us. And then I'll, I, but I do something about it. I'll, like, go and find someone and be like, hey, sorry, you know. And I think that's good. I think everybody should take matters into their own hands a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. Just go, go through the double doors into the kitchen. Yeah. Go talk to the chef. Just one-on-one. 
They love Pull them that. aside. They love it. <laughs> Ask the chef about the art in the bathroom. What does the art mean? Why is it there? <laughs> yeah, where did he work before here? Does, does he have an IMDb? Does he have an agent? I have a new restaurant pet peeve. I don't know if this is against the restaurant or the server. I think it's against the restaurant because it's the restaurant's policy. But I'm starting to not like it when I'm being read out the specials mm. and I'm not given the price of the special that's being read out. I agree. And I think nobody does that. Or mo- some sometimes they do. Sometimes they'll be like, that is available for, like, we have the black cod and it's available for $35 and you're like oh Jesus $35 yeah. yeah you smile and you say okay thank you would you would you as a server would you say the price again that's a management question yeah. I like never went above and beyond working at restaurants I was always like if it's I'm not going to try and solve this like someone else who's paid to solve it can solve it so I would be like if they'd never told me to say the price, I probably wouldn't. And then I might go to them and be like, a lot of people are asking about the price. Should I be telling it to them? And they say, no, you keep that shit a secret. Yeah, you you hide that shit. You hide the $45 chicken wings. <laughs> Lily, this is so pleasant. Thank you so much for rallying. We both, we both went hard last night. I know. I think we did a really good job. <laughs> I do too. Until um, I listened to it and I'm like, Jesus Christ. I was like... <laughs> All we're talking about is like drunk food we want to be having. (laughs) Exactly. Tell the people where they can find you. I have two podcasts that I'm on on um, the Comedy Bang Bang Patreon, which is if you like Comedy Bang Bang, I'm on there a lot too. And then you can follow me online at L-I-L-Y-Y-I-L-Y. One of the worst social media handles ever to exist. I won't change it. I can't change it. (laughs) I'm stuck. Uh, where she has five followers because no one can spell her name. I think I would have as much as Gwyneth if my handle was different. There's a lot of Gwyneth envy going on. No, no. Disdain. I don't know. It started out as disdain in the fridge and now it just the, – the more the podcast goes on. This is the magic of Gwyneth. You despise her and want to be her at the same time. I'm just saying – if I found out that Gwyneth was kidnapped and someone made a skin suit out of her, I know where I'd go looking first. I, I would, I would, My fridge? I would spend five hours looking up looking up your handle on Twitter and Instagram, and then I'd find you. Perfect. Thank you, Lily. Oh, thank you. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.